Today's scripture reading is from Mark 10, 17 through 30. It is found on page two of your bulletin. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, We have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. How are y'all doing this this evening? All right. Well, my name is Andrew Russell, uh, one of the pastors here. Um, I was sick all last week, and so it's a pleasure to be back before you. Let's pray to the God who heals. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, O God, for your word. Lord God, I pray that your word would not return void, but it it would accomplish everything that you have set for it to accomplish. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see and a heart to understand and to know you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Um, Before I begin, I'd like to show a video as a way of introduction. Okay, Victoria. What would you do if Jesus asked you to give up everything and follow him? Follow him. You would? Yeah. Wow. That would be great. That would make your heart very happy, too, and Jesus very happy, too. What would you give up to follow Jesus? Can you think of anything? Yes, blueberries. Oh, wow. You'd give up blueberries? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. You're really trying to glorify God. Is there anything else you would give up? I would give up Mama. You'd give Mama up? Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? Jesus would probably 
say there are times when you have to leave your father and mother. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that amazing? You know, I asked uh, Catherine Marks, who heads our children's ministry, to, you know, this question, ask, ask it to the kids. If you had to give up everything, what would you give up? And little did um, little Victoria know that we'd be preaching today on Mark chapter 10, where Jesus says, give up mother and father. And she said, I'll, I'll give up my mother. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is moving among the children. Amen. So when we think about this story, just as a way of recap, you have uh, this rich young ruler, a young man, very wealthy, um, and he's also uh, a teacher and ruler in the synagogue as well. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, when was the last time you had someone to just come up and say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As a Christian, who we always struggle to share the gospel, right? And there are those moments that you're like, I, I don't, you know, hopefully by the way I live my life, I hope to uh, convince others of Jesus. But I would say rarely do we have anyone come up to us and say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I could imagine the disciples saw this rich young ruler, this, this person of great wealth and great stature. And, and Jesus says, just do the commandments. And this young ruler says, I've, I've done them from my youth. I, I haven't uh, committed murder. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen and, and bore false witness. I honored my father and my mother. And the Bible says, Jesus then looked on him with love and say, you lack one thing. But I could imagine the disciples thinking, wow, we finally get a wealthy person on our side. You know, I don't know. Aren't there, as Christians, aren't there those moments when you're like, I hope this scientist becomes a Christian or I hope this particular person becomes a Christian, this person with wealth and stature and influence. And if they become a Christian, then my faith is validated. Then I, then I can be, you know, I can be, hey, so-and-so is a Christian just like me. And I could imagine the disciples thinking, look, here's a rich young ruler, this, this person who has followed the law since his youth. He, he's a, a, a young man of influence and wealth, and now he's coming to our side. But Jesus says you, want, you lack one thing. And Jesus looked on him with love. And he said, if you sold everything you had and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler obviously could not do that because he had a lot of wealth. And so the question is, what do you lack tonight? What is that one thing? And what is this eternal life? And would you give up everything to follow Jesus, just like Victoria? So we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and our wealth has afforded us many luxuries that we often take for granted, like having access to indoor plumbing and a hot shower, 24-hour access, 24 access to electricity, homes that are insulated and protect us from the elements. We have an HVAC system that provides AC and heat. We have access to good food and a decent education. And there are many countries in our world 
that don't have these basic luxuries. They have no problem recognizing their poverty and need. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, poor people are more spiritual than wealthy people because both poverty and riches are trials that I believe God uses to refine us into his image. But there is something about poverty where you are in need. And so when Jesus asked the rich young ruler to give up everything, he isn't asking him to become poor, but he's, he's touching that thing that, that, that thing that would bring him to his knees, that thing that would say, you know what, Jesus, I need you. Dojciewski, in his book, The Brothers Karamazov, wrote, The world says you have needs. Satisfy them. You have as much right as the rich and the mighty. Don't hesitate to satisfy your needs. Indeed, expand your needs and demand more. This is the worldly doctrine of today, he says. And they believe that this is freedom. The result for the rich is isolation and suicide, and for the poor, envy and murder. And the story of the, the rich young ruler gives us insight into the to depth of how wealth and possessions can have a hold on our lives. The opposite is even true. How often does the lack of wealth and possession have a hold on our lives? And we seem to, to oscillate between greed and fear. We're afraid when our financial security is threatened. And conversely, we're, we're greedy when our finances are expanding. And so to the, both to the fearful and to the greedy, Jesus has a word of encouragement for us tonight. Release the hold that the idol of greed and envy has over you and follow me to receive far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Now, how can you give something, how can you give someone everything who has everything? And yet, eternal life comes as taking everything away from you to give you everything. And in order to see the value of the inheritance of eternal life, we must first see our need for Jesus. So the rich young ruler wanted eternal life, and he was very sincere in his request. Uh, and he said, what must I do to have eternal life? Yet when Jesus said to sell everything to follow him, he couldn't do it. The Bible said he walked away sorrowful because he lacked that one thing. Now, he couldn't give up his possessions because he wanted wealth in this life and in the next. And Jesus told him that he could not have wealth in this life. But if he, des if he desired wealth in the next, and this is not a new thought for Jesus in terms of uh, Jesus' commentary on wealth and possessions. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So eternal life is, is the heavenly treasure. Uh, however, for many people in our society that don't believe in God, eternal life is more of a curse than a blessing. And I'll illustrate. So I was on uh, Facebook, and there's this Facebook group 
it's it's a, I forget it's it's called bear and something something to do with bear. But basically, it's 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 Christians and atheists. There's this bar that brings atheists and Christians together, and they have these uh, debates. And so I'm in this group, and one person asked this question. This person is an atheist, and and they said the following. They said, if God determined who will accept Christ and go to heaven before creation, why did he create everyone else as eternal souls, knowing full well that they would be tortured forever in hell? He could have just created soulless people who would simply expire at death. He says, if God determined who will accept Christ before the foundations of the world, then why did he create everyone else as eternal souls, knowing that they would go to hell? And that's the question that he asked the group. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in. I'm going to I'm going to get into fray. You know, he doesn't know me. I don't know him. So let's see what happens. So then I, I, I responded to his question, I, and I said this. I said, it sounds to me like you answered your own question. You said that God could have just created soulless people who would simply expire a death. And if God did what you suggested, then why does death appear to be so unnatural? We know that uh, death is inevitable, but deep down we're trying everything in our power to prolong our lives. So why do we do that? Why do human beings have a longing for the eternal? Even atheists want to have a legacy. And the atheists respond, and this really is a powerful statement. I couldn't be- I've never heard anyone that said this. He says, I have zero affinity for the eternal. Eternal life is a curse and not a blessing. It drains the meaning of life. He says, I have zero affinity for the eternal. Eternal life is a curse and not a blessing. And I responded, I said, you know, that's interesting. What's the meaning from life that the eternal drains? And this is his response. He says, think about what you had for lunch on April the 27th, 10 years ago. Can't remember? How much do you think you will recall about your family in a trillion, trillion years. How urgent will you find it to do anything knowing you have unlimited time to do it? And so I'm still hit by that statement. Eternal life is a curse and not a blessing. And I think this kind of thinking comes from a a mistaken view of what Jesus means about eternal life. Eternal life is not a continuation of this current life with all of its pain and suffering. Eternal life is something infinitely more. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer to God, the heavenly father, in John chapter 17, this is what Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And in 1 John 5, verse 20, it says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and he is eternal life. So eternal life is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal life. 
And there is no eternal life outside of Jesus. And so when the atheist thinks about this continuation of pain and suffering, they're not thinking about a person. They're thinking about uh, uh, something that's outside of the supernatural, something that's outside of what God can offer, particularly his presence. And so uh, there's no life outside of Jesus, and this is what the rich young ruler could not understand. He thought that he could have eternal life without following Jesus. He thought that he could have the fruits of the kingdom of God without following the king. The rich young ruler saw Jesus as a teacher, but he didn't see him as a king. And if you see Jesus only as a a good moral example of how to live your life and not a king to follow, then you'll find it difficult to see eternal life as the greatest treasure. Eternal life means that uh, you have life with Jesus now and life with Jesus throughout all of eternity. The author of the hymn Amazing Grace, John John Newton, put it beautifully when he wrote, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none could ever ask too much. Now, when Jesus is your inheritance and eternal life, you might be struggling financially, but you are rich because the king of kings knows your name. When Jesus is your inheritance and eternal life, you might be suffering physically, but one day you will be healed because Jesus will restore you to full health, if not in this life, then in the life to come. When Jesus is your inheritance and eternal life, you might be struggling emotionally, but your joy will be made complete because Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eye and will redeem the years that the locusts have eaten, if not in this life, then definitely in the life to come. Eternal life does not mean that you're exempt from suffering, though. Jesus said it right here. If you give up everything and follow me, you'll receive houses, brothers and sisters and land. And and you'll receive a hundredfold, but with persecutions. But with persecutions. So our suffering brings solidarity with Jesus. And when we suffer, we suffer as Christ suffered. Jesus said, if you follow me, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross. Why? Because Jesus is forming you into the image of himself. He's forming you to, to look more and more like God. And in order to look like Jesus, you must suffer like Jesus. Now, we will never know the suffering that Jesus felt on the cross when he bore the sins of the world and he took on the Father's wrath. Praise God, we won't know what that feels like, but we will experience trials. We will experience persecutions and hardships for Christ's sake. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. C.S. Lewis said in his book, Till We Have Faces, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer. Before your face, 
questions die away. What other answer would suffice? Only words, words to be led out to battle against other words. Many of us wonder, why does God allow suffering in our lives? God might never give you the answer, for they are only words, battling words. But God wants to give you himself. That is the only answer he gives. God allows suffering in our lives to bring us into friendship with himself. Uh, I uh, watched a YouTube uh, sermon at Covenant College, my alma mater. And one of the, the students at Covenant College, this young man, his name is Dustin Hayes, he shared a testimony about suffering. So Dustin grew up in a single-parent home. He never knew his dad. His mother uh, was addicted to drugs and meth. And Dustin joined the gang, and uh, he was an accomplice for, for someone who murdered somebody he didn't even know. And he's he's sharing this story in front of the student body. And Dustin is in prison, and he he says he's asking himself, is God good? And this is what he said. And and, and keep in mind, he he was in prison to be potentially in prison for 51 years to 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 being an accomplice to this murder. So this young man in jail doesn't know he might, he might be there in, for 51 years, and he's asking the question, is God good? And this is what he says. He says, there are certain things about God we will never know apart from suffering. There are certain things about God that we will never know apart from needing him to comfort us. There are certain things we will never know about God apart from needing him to protect us. What does it mean for God to be a comforter until you're on your knees in tears? Do you want answers to all of life's questions? Do you you want more words battling words? Or do you want the answer who is Jesus Christ? Now, following Jesus means giving up the one thing that you're putting your hopes in. Giving up maybe the one thing that you're putting all of your dreams and efforts and resources. Because if you're not ready to do that, then you will miss out in a relationship with God who makes all things possible. So what is the hundredfold that Jesus promises after you give up everything? The hundredfold is the person of Jesus and the hundredfold is the new community, the church. We have, more, we have more than we could ever need when we follow Jesus because we have God's presence and God's people. We live in a time when friendships are hard to come by and people are finding that they have no support systems. Eternal life in Jesus is not just an individual reality. It is a cosmic reality realized over a multitude of people. Eternal life speaks not only to the longevity and length of time, but eternal life speaks to the quality. When you get eternal life, you get Jesus Christ, and you live in the context of his family, which is the church. You are not alone in your sufferings, because we as a church will bear it with you. Jesus died on the cross to redeem suffering. 
And he lives to intercede on our behalf as we continue to suffer on this earth. And he will meet us in our suffering and he will not avoid our pain. He will meet us and he will not avoid. Just as, as he cried with Mary and Martha after they lost their brother Lazarus. Remember, uh, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, Martha, died and Jesus is in tears. And he's in tears with them. And they, little did they know that Jesus would raise their brother from the dead. So Jesus cries with us and he comforts us in our suffering before he works miraculously in our lives. Will you give up everything to follow a savior like this? You know, this is the month of love and I'd figure I would quote my beautiful wife. Uh, I didn't do anything. This is a confession. I didn't do anything for her on Valentine's Day. Uh, So please forgive me. I, I saw somebody nudge somebody. Is, is, am I the only one who did it? Oh, Greg? Okay. Uh, well, brother, it's not too late. Amen? It's not too late. There's, February is still going, so you can still show your significant other some love. Because Valentine's is every day. Amen? Come on now. Woo. I'm not confined to one day. Amen? I don't follow the crowd. So this is what my wife wrote for me a couple years ago for Valentine's Day. And she talks about love. See if I can find it. She says here, love is being struck in our dirt and filth and mess. No way to fill our emptiness. No way to heal our brokenness. No way to cleanse our sinfulness. Till love came down to dwell with us. Love himself became the worst part of us, so we might become his righteousness. Can we even grasp how blessed this is? Love is beauty that doesn't always seem beautiful, pure joy that may not always feel joyful, hard work, the, the kind of work that fills the soul, pride breaking, character etching, makes you humble. Love is day-to-day sacrificial giving, I know. Love is following wherever you go. You know, when I met my wife, in, uh, we, I think we were dating for a couple months, and I said, Stephanie, you know, I want to go into ministry. I wanted, before that, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to have money, you know? All you lawyers in there, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I decided that actually God decided that's not what he wanted for me. And I remember telling my wife, you know, uh, before when we were dating, I said, Stephanie, I'm going to go to seminary. We lived, uh, we were living in uh, Chattanooga. That's where I met her in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I said, Steph, I'm going to go to seminary in Dallas, Texas. And we were, you know, we had, we weren't even engaged or anything like that. And she said, Andrew, I would go anywhere with you. And I was, I knew right then and there I had to marry her before she forgot. <laughs> and it, so for me, when I think about love, to give up everything, to follow somebody you love. And that's what Jesus calls us to when he says, come and follow me. Jesus looked at the the rich young ruler with love, the Bible says, and said, you lack one thing. 
If you come and follow me, you'll have everything that you need and more. But do you want me or do you just want what I can give you? You, you know, for a lot of us, we said, I just want eternal life. But do we want Jesus? Have we gotten to the point where we are so needy where I just want Jesus? I don't want anything else. I don't want possessions. I don't want anything. Just give me Jesus. Because Jesus loves you and he has given up everything for you. And just like any lover who would follow their lover to the ends of the earth, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Will you follow the one who loves you more than your significant other, more than your spouse, more than your friend, more than your parents, more than anybody in this world? Jesus loves you more than all of them put together. And will you follow your lover to the end? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us eternal life. And that no matter what happens to us, whether we um, are sick, whether we uh, experience trials and persecutions, that nothing could shake the, the internal inheritance that we have in Jesus. And so I pray that you would give us hope tonight that we have an inheritance that cannot be taken, cannot be shaken. There's nothing in this world that can happen to us that will take away our eternal inheritance in Jesus Christ because Christ loves with an everlasting love. And Father, whatever persecutions or suffering your people might be facing tonight, I pray that you would remind them that you are with them and that your presence is the treasure, that you are with them in the midst of their suffering and you actually hear their prayers. You cry with them before you work miraculously. And so I pray, Lord, that you would work miraculously tonight. And if there's one who doesn't know you, I pray that they would follow you and that, see, <laughs> that they would see that you love them with an everlasting love. May they not walk away like the rich young ruler, but may, oh God, they give up everything for you. Show them their need. In Jesus' name, amen.